Welcome to Nothing Makes Perfect, a podcast about practice. I'm Jeremy, and if you've been listening to other episodes, you hopefully know that I want to talk to a variety of guests, whether they are athletes, coaches, normal people just trying to get better at skills, researchers. I like to have every angle possible. So today's guest, Mac Lowry, represents the athlete perspective. When I asked Mac if he had a bio, he said, the only intro I need is explaining our friendship. You'll actually hear in the conversation a good amount about his background and how we connected, but I'll just add this. Mac has always shown support for me, not just as a coach, but in my life outside of my work too. I love connecting with him on the things that light both of us up, which of course you'll hear, but we're so different in some ways and I enjoy bouncing those around just as much. And then one last note, When I started this podcast, I told myself, I'll try 10 episodes and see how it goes. Well, here we are at 20, and I just wanted to say thank you for being here. All right, Mac, the official welcome to Nothing Makes Perfect. How are you today? I'm very well. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. Obviously, we got to catch up off the recording a little bit, but I've like I've kind of been looking forward to this since we worked together, right? So, as a coach, I don't get to just like pick your brain. I'm trying to be helpful. So now I can kind of sit back, like ask questions, get everything, get all the information I want out of you. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's funny. Speaking of uh, poking and prodding and asking questions, I'll never forget the first night that we met, you had me, and maybe you had me fill out this intake form prior to Mm -hmm. our first session, but I, you know, whether it was 15 questions or 20 questions, who knows? I think it felt like a hundred at the time. (laughs) Um, but you asked all these funny questions and I, the one that I always seem to remember is, you know, how long can you maintain like a sitting squat? You know, could you eat dinner in a sitting squat? I think, or you know, Buddhist squat is what you asked. I was like, who the hell is this guy? I'm like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> um, and my worries were quickly uh, washed away when we first met, but um, for some reason, I always remember that intake form. I was thinking the yeah. same thing, but from <laughs> my perspective, it is obviously flipped around. From my perspective. I'm like this movement guy working with people who just want to live their lives, feel good, you know, play with their kids, go to a wedding and dance. And then you come in, you fill out this intake form and you're like, yeah, I'm a a senior in college. I'm a quarterback. I'm looking to make the pros. Like I want to play in the NFL (laughs) and I'm sitting here on the floor in my squad. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I don't really coach football. Um. Yeah, we. I mean, that would be a great place to start, but I want to zoom back like, I don't know, 14 years before that maybe, <laughs> before I ever okay. got to know you. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like you're definitely one of the top few athletes I've gotten to work with as a coach. And I didn't work with you at all until that was already true, right? Like I take sure. zero credit for that. <laughs> um, so I'd love to get a bit of the backstory Um, and maybe even before you were like specialized as a quarterback. So when you were growing up, like were sports, something you did in the backyard or were you playing organized sports? You know, the number one rule in the house was no ball in the house. You know, my brother and I were always throwing and bouncing stuff off the wall. Things were breaking left and right. We benefited, you know, first home that we really grew up in, call it, you know, ages two to 
eight or nine was believe it or not a metal house literally a metal house it was a prefab world war ii like catalog home where veterans you know literally picked these things out of a catalog when they came home uh, and that's what we were living in for a bunch of years you could stick magnets all over the house the doors slid into each other you know so they weren't your typical um opening door so we benefited a little bit from ball playing in the house but the second we moved to our you know our forever home uh there was no ball playing but to, you know to answer your question we we're always in the backyard we were lucky to have you know a front yard and green space in our house uh and we were always playing something i think the first organized sport i guess it was soccer now that i think about it, it was probably the first organized sport we ever played um that's when we were quite quite young you know first second third grade uh and that was fun i don't have super um clear memories of you know what that meant and what that entailed but then baseball was you know my first recollection of organized sports and who i played for and who i played with uh it's pretty clear uh, and baseball was my first love really uh, it was the first sport that i, I specialized in uh, but we also played lacrosse. My dad had us even wrestle at one point, uh, played football very young, uh, played basketball. So we were playing everything. Uh, and I think my parents were spot on to not have us specialize in mm -hmm. one thing. Uh, I think, you know, at a young age, we were playing, you know, all-star teams and things. Uh, but it was never like, hey, Max, a baseball player, or Sean, my brother, is a lacrosse player. We were just playing everything, um, which was awesome. You know, so we really uh, had the benefit of, you know, picking and choosing what we liked and we liked everything, you know. So um, I guess if that answers your question, you know, yeah. we were always, you know, always running around. And again, super lucky to have a, a brother so close in age and an interest in Sean, who's two years younger than me, who was mm -hmm. um, probably a better athlete than I, uh, you know, competing every day, uh, you know. Uh, often ending in fights, but nonetheless <laughs> competing hard and toughing each other up uh, every single day. Um, I think that's why both of us uh, were, were fairly successful athletes. Yeah, we is definitely a word that jumped out there. We played this, we played that. My dad put yeah. us in. So talk to me a bit about like maybe take the sport away. What was playing together, competing together like for you guys? Yeah, um, almost everything. Um, I'm even thinking, you know, so it was just him and I, right? There was no mm -hmm. other brothers and sisters. So everything we did was one-on-one, -on -one, which was cool. And we found ways to play football one-on-one, -on -one, baseball, nice. wiffle ball, one-on-one, lacrosse, one-on-one. -on -one. We played wiffle ball in the front yard. We actually played what we call lefty wiffle ball. Both my brother and I are right-handed throwers and right-handed hitters. Um, but the yard was too small and every hit would be a home run. So we, we switch, switch hit, uh, which was mm -hmm. cool. Basketball was always one-on-one, -on -one, obviously. Mm -hmm. Of course, we lowered the hoops to, you know, dunk on each other. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, competing one-on-one, -on -one, I think really, um, became like who we were as brothers, uh, pushing each other respectfully again, you know, often, ended in uh heated debates if you will but it was always love and uh five minutes later for dinner it was it was nothing um but like really figuring out how to compete going one-on-one -on -one against a formidable opponent again we were lucky that we had each other yeah. in that um made i think 
playing each each and every next level uh, a little bit easier. I love that. The playing together, coming up with your own games. I feel like there's right. there's something there that you can't get from organized sport, like right. having the creativity to make the game fair or like like you said when righty was getting too easy to make it still fun and still competitive that's awesome totally yeah and it actually makes me think those were quote unquote the traditional sports that we played but Mm -hmm. then we played ping pong i mean hours and hours and hours of ping pong and made up new ways to play ping pong everything that we could compete we try to vary the rules just a little bit to make it you know either more competitive more fun uh, do whatever we could to just like compete. Um, and I like still to this day, I carry a ball around me like everywhere mm-hmm. I go just to like, you know, throwing shit off the walls, you know, figuring out how to like, you know, have a catch with somebody, you know. And that goes back to my brother and I uh, being able to do that endlessly. So, all right, you bring this varied background, um, pretty competitive self into organized soccer and baseball when mm-hmm. you're pretty young. Were those sports for you about having fun, about winning? Like, what kind of attitude were you bringing to sport as a kid? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what type of attitude was I bringing? I think being the best was always the attitude that I brought, um, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was probably caring a little bit too much what other people thought probably not at a really young age probably wasn't conscious enough of hey i want to look good for sally or i want to make you know look good for my buddies Mm -hmm. but at some point i think probably being the best and like being known as the best was probably uh you know a key driver to success now some of that uh, maybe evolved in like comparing yourselves to others which is you know something that young athletes i think too often uh, do it to themselves, but ultimately it was a really good lesson of like, Hey, you want to do something, you got to be the best, or at least you got to work to be the best. It's interesting. I feel like that must be true of a really high, a higher percentage of athletes than care to admit it. Like that's sure. a, that's a pretty motivating thing, right? It's like you said, it, it has its downsides. It might not be the right. healthiest mental framework to work off of for a long time. But I don't know, not not having really been much of an athlete myself, I have to imagine that the people who went more towards athletics were the ones who were looking at me like, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to be better. Right, right, right. So before we, I want to like, I want to see where that leads us. But I'm sure. curious, I would guess that most people listening who I would think of as more like um, hobbyists, I think would be a word I would would bring to mind, like people who take a certain practice pretty seriously, whether it's like working out for fitness or like I've recently gotten hooked on climbing, but I have no aspiration of being the best. I just Mm. want to get a lot out of it for myself and put a lot into it in order to do that. Um, So imagining that there are a lot of listeners like that, do you have an example of something that you've enjoyed doing, sport or otherwise, without that? mental framework at all like i just love playing checkers i don't care i'm terrible at it (laughs) who cares yeah yeah totally um the the two that come to mind the first that comes to mind in a somewhat joking fashion is golf 
Okay. Of course, I'm never going to be the best golfer out there, especially now. Not only am I not going to be the best, frankly, I suck. So <laughs> that's a really humbling experience in sport. Uh, there have been some seasons where I've been better than others, but for the most part, you know, I'm not good. Um, so I practice and play golf to have fun. But that's also hard because it's an extremely frustrating game mm-hmm. and you often embarrass yourself, particularly for someone like me who never plays other than the Saturday mornings when you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you play 18 holes. Um, so I'm really like focusing myself on, hey, just have fun, which I think I do. And I'm starting to do fairly well. Uh, that's purely like a hobbyist sport. Um, but maybe more seriously is skiing. Uh, okay. That was one of the activities that I didn't mention. Again, we were really lucky as young people, my brother and I, uh, to be introduced to skiing by my parents at a young age. You know, maybe that was our favorite sport uh, in life. We stopped skiing from sophomore year uh, in high school to post college. So there's actually there's an eight year period where I didn't ski, um, and then I just recently the past five or six years since I've been done playing, gotten back to skiing and it's um, been the most amazing reintroduction of anything in my life. You know, I am, I feel like my best self when I'm on the mountain. Uh, It's my most spiritual time. Um, There's just nothing at this point in life. I enjoy more than being out in the hill. Uh, I'm not going to be the best necessarily. uh, And you don't, and I'm not competing. Mm -hmm. Uh, like you would traditionally compete, but I'm competing against myself, competing pretty hard against myself. Um, so that's been a really fun uh, experience or practice or exercise, if you will, of like, hey, competing against myself, uh, how hard are you going to push yourself? Being safe and you know managing risk, but how hard are you going to push yourself and how hard can you compete against yourself? Uh, so maybe that answers your question. Uh, it's you know a hobby, but it's more than a hobby. Uh, in some ways, but you know, it's the hobbyist attitude where, like, you know, I'm not traditionally competing. I'm just pushing myself and competing mm-hmm. against myself. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Skiing strikes me as something where it's like you and the environment, whereas right. put yourself on a football field and you've got you know ten teammates and eleven opponents, and <laughs> you're trying to get right. something done. Like, yeah, right. there's still there's an environment, but you're pretty focused on the people on the field. Um, totally. But yeah, on a mountain, you're probably surrounded by snow and all you got is your own ability to handle it. Totally. Yeah. And you're trying not to die in some cases. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, but you do have particularly man been lucky. Several of my closest friends, and maybe that's why we've become so close as of late, are skiers and are good mm-hmm. skiers. So we certainly challenge ourselves. And there's always that inherent competitiveness, you know, hey, who can look better doing this? Who can get down the fill, hill fastest? Um, how tight can you ski these trees? So there's inherent competitiveness, I think, but ultimately it's you know you against yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really fun and rewarding, I think. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like uh, stopping to play football competitively has not uh, totally stripped you of your competitiveness. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I was... It was semi-embarrassing. I was, uh, this past Saturday, we, Rachel and I, we biked down to the West Village and we were playing pickleball, Uh maybe playing pickleball. (laughs) Um, But we've gotten pretty into it. Super fun. Um, 
Rachel's family up in Canada, Toronto area are big pickleballers. So I played quite a bit the last couple of years. Um, and long story short, I had gotten frustrated and I kind of turned my back. I was like, you know, I gave a, a grunt and I heard the kid who Rachel was playing with is like, you know, wow, like, you know, I could never get that frustrated pickleball. I was like, oh gosh, you know. <laughs> um, so yes, there's still plenty of competitiveness and frustration left to be had outside of my football playing days. I do want to, so we talked about like, you're not specializing in sport as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. You're playing everything, you and your brother competing. If I remember, I don't think you've mentioned basketball, but you played basketball through high school too, right? When did Dude. football, like where, where does football come in? Yeah. Um, so my sophomore year uh, was my first year starting at quarterback. We had a good year and a really good team. And again, that was like, okay, maybe I could play some college football. That's when I think I started first feeling interest from schools. Um, and then I was like, actually at that point I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go play both. I'm going to go play baseball and football. The, one of the guys that I enjoyed watching most was a kid by the name of Kyle Parker. He was the quarterback of the football team at Clemson and you know, their star baseball player. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, all right, that's the guy I want to be who can go play both. Um, which was very, you know, even then it didn't, didn't happen a whole lot. So my first visits to schools like Boston College or Maryland or like University of Virginia, I remember I met with the baseball coach and then they would drop me off with <laughs> the football coach. And so that was pretty cool. But then at one point, you know, we had a, a kind of a, a mentor type family say, hey, Mac, you really just got to pick one. And I said, all right, well, maybe maybe football makes sense. Like it's full scholarships. You know, quarterbacking is pretty cool. Uh, I'll give this a try. So that was the that was the, the switch flip. But with that being said, there wasn't there still wasn't like a ton of specialization. It wasn't until after my junior year of high school that I started working with Mark Hartzell, who maybe you remember us chatting about. Mark Hartzell is a Brockton guy. He played at Brockton High School, then played at Boston College, and then had a uh, a nice career in the NFL. And he became my quote unquote quarterback coach, my private quarterback coach. And then that was at that point it was full speed ahead. Football is going to hopefully be my life. And that was like, hey, is much as I can ingest football, like let me do it. So I think that's a nice segue into like the skill development part of the conversation. Like I want to really learn about what made you better at being a quarterback. So first, like, I don't know, treat me like a fifth grader, fourth grader, (laughs) third grader. Um, If you could maybe make like a pie chart out of it, like how much of being a quarterback is throwing itself versus you know uh knowing the playbook reading the field like all kinds of right. complicated things that are happening right she didn't play quarterback full-time until eighth grade okay uh, uh through middle school i played call it playing up it was a combination of being too heavy for my uh age group but also just playing maybe with some of the older guys and there was a good quarterback at that age group nick sestito uh, was a good old buddy um and i really played receiver and did like trick plays, you know, whenever there was like a double reverse and you needed to yeah. throw it 40 yards downfield. That's what I did. Uh, all the best uh, plays. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. He was taking touchdowns away from this guy. Um, <laughs> but again, I at least was throwing the football uh, because I had a, a decent arm and that was like purely, you know, got given, uh, had a decent arm. There was nothing up until that point that I worked to perfect. I just had a strong mm-hmm. arm, could, could throw fast and could throw hard. 
Uh, so for a young guy um, who's wanting to play quarterback, uh, you can do it. Certainly can play quarterback without having the strongest arm, uh, without being the biggest guy, uh, but it helps. Mm-hmm. It really helps. Um, in the same vein, I'm almost contradicting myself, maybe, but one of the best players I ever played with was a guy at Bentley. Uh, I played quarterback with him. <laughs> And he was not, he'd tell you, of course, you know, he's not the biggest, strongest or fastest guy, but because of that, he overcame all of his maybe physical challenges and knew the playbook better than anybody, knew how to read defenses better than anybody uh, and anticipated better than anybody. So uh, you can certainly be a quarterback doing both, you know, being really physical and being super physically talented, or you can do the Drew Brees kind of Tom Brady type where you're just Mm -hmm. smarter than everybody. Drew Brees and Tom Brady also, you know, Big arms and fine arms, yeah. <laughs> right, they have fine arms, exactly. But they're, you know, they're probably not going to wow you uh, with anything they do physically. Um, so you kind of, and usually it's as a young person, like it's one or the other, mm-hmm. you know. And the guys who are doing both at a young age, or you know, those are the guys that are going to go play in the NFL, probably. Um, but even like a Josh Allen, for example, he'd probably tell you, I don't know Josh personally, but. Uh, he was a big arm guy, big athlete, you know, strong, faster than everybody. But because he kind of had that edge, didn't need to know the playbook as well, or at least certainly didn't need to anticipate throws as well or understand defenses quite as well. Because if he made a mistake reading a defense, he could just throw behind the safety and, yeah. you know, overcome. So to answer your question, uh, for a young person who's really interested in playing quarterback, uh, certainly you know, you'll want to develop the ability to throw the football. You know, that's really important. Uh, but then also, and just as important is learning what it takes to be a quarterback. And as a young person, it's not necessarily reading defenses. There are only so many defenses being played. Uh, anticipation is really important. So having the confidence in yourself, which, you know, frankly, I struggled with, uh, but having the confidence in yourself and your ability to throw your receiver open, meaning, throw it before he's even looking at you, you know, Uh, throw it before he comes out of his break. That's what you see all the great NFL players doing. Uh, So that was a skill. If I could go back, you know, 15 years, Hey, I want to learn that. You almost wish that you don't grow up with the strongest arm in the world because then you're forced to anticipate Hmm. and you're, you know, can't rely on your arm quite as much. Um, Nick Saban, I think says it really well. And I'm forgetting exactly the quote now, of course, but, there are three or four really, you know, important characteristics of being a quarterback. Number one, I think he says is leadership, you know, really hard to be a good quarterback if you're not a leader and you don't have to be the rah, rah, you know, loudest guy in the room leader, but you got to certainly at least lead by example uh, and earn the trust of your teammates. Uh, number two is, you know, protect the football. You know, so that's important for young kids to even like start thinking about like, don't throw interceptions, don't fumble, don't hand the ball off to the other team. Don't put them in a better position than they need to be. Uh, and number three is uh, accurate throws. I think those are the three. So making accurate throws. So, figure, so figuring out you know, hey, how to, how to uh, make accurate throws and probably that's a similar vein and throwing catchable footballs. A lot of the big arm quarterbacks, they used to say, if you read about like John Elway, is guys like hated playing catch with him because he just threw it so hard <laughs> and like yeah. you couldn't you know it's so much harder to catch a ball that's coming in at 
70 miles an hour uh, than it is 50 and it doesn't need to be 70 miles an hour, you know? Um, so those are the three things to think about maybe as a young quarterback, being a leader, making good decisions, and throwing the ball accurately. And I'm, I think the, the fourth one today that Nick Saban would probably tell you, because this was five, six, seven years ago, is making off-schedule throws. So you see the guys today like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, really all the good ones are doing it today is you drop back. The play is not there. You have nowhere to throw to. And then you got to go make a play yourself. That's, I think, really important for a young quarterback to think about. It's like, hey, how am I going to be an athlete, not just a quarterback? How am I just going to go in the backyard and have fun? But it's a fine line between having fun and making a play versus like throwing an interception, you know? Um, and the good ones strike the balance. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of kids out there uh, trying to be Pat Mahomes and throwing <laughs> a lot of interceptions in the process. Right, right. It's like the Steph Curry, you know, basketball example. Exactly, like, yeah. Taking 40 footers. Um, but, you know, who knows? That's how you learn. All right. This is going to sound like a bit of a curveball, but how good or bad are you at throwing left handed? <laughs> I am not very good okay. at, at throwing left handed. Um, and thinking about our work together is probably something that um, I could have and should have worked on. I will tell you. My brother is amazing hmm. at throwing both righty and lefty to the point where you wouldn't know if he was a lefty or righty if you mm -hmm. saw him throw a football, which is pretty cool. Now, he was, again, a lacrosse player, so uh, that sport is fairly ambidextrous, um, but I can not throw lefty very well. So the reason I ask is not so that you have to admit to the millions of <laughs> listeners that you can't throw lefty. It's because... You kind of mentioned that you came with the arm. Like, you know, right. I don't need to ask like how you went from being really bad at throwing a football to really good because you were never really bad at it, it sounds like. Mm. But let's say you got into throwing for its own sake now and you're like, I'm going to get good at throwing lefty because it'll be a fun project or yep. to compete with Sean or whatever the reason. How do you mm. think you would, like, how would you go about it? How would you structure practice? to try to make catch your left arm up to your right? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think if I were to work with a young kid who had never thrown anything in mm -hmm. his life and his dad, his dad said, hey, Mac, let's, let's go take 60 minutes out in the field and, and try to teach this guy how to throw, uh, I would work on nothing but footwork. Interesting. That's often overlooked, particularly by somebody who maybe hasn't played the position. But you cannot be a consistent thrower of anything if your footwork isn't uh, immaculate, frankly. And you know, the, the better arm you have, of course, the more you can get away with bad footwork. Uh, but it starts with your base as so much of athletics do. So I would really, I would work on footwork first and foremost, particularly for me, if I was going to go need to throw lefty to save my life in a month, I would like figure out how to take the, the appropriate steps as a left-hander mm -hmm. uh, but for a young person i would certainly start with footwork i would very uh, basically um or elementary teach them you know about not necessarily ground force but like rotational force you know and what it means to rotate and be a rotational athlete um because that's how you get you know so much of the power out of your throwing is being able to rotate efficiently so 
between those two things, those are the first things I would start with. Um, and then when it came to actually throwing, it's so hard to even think about because again, throwing is so inherent to me. Um, but you just, you know, you, I guess maybe I would say the first 30 minutes of that call it hour session would be footwork and teach them a little bit rota- about rotation. And then it's, Hey, just throw me like, just let's play catch and mm-hmm. I'll see uh, kind of naturally how you throw something, you know? Um, and maybe you'd even start with that, but long story short, you, you want to get a sense how people naturally throw. Um, and then you can, you know, you can work on the maybe three important mechanics, whatever that is to you as a coach, you know, I would be, you know, keeping your arm above, you know, almost your shoulder. Now that's even at this point debated. There's a lot more sidearm throwing happening now in football, whereas traditionally it was like, you know, make the C if you watch most of Brady's throws, he's making the C with his arm versus like Mahomes can now throw from any angle, um, which I think frankly is, you know, the way to play quarterback, you want to be able to throw from every angle, but you got to start somewhere. So I would, you know, I would start first, like making a good kind of over the top, what they would throw, you know, what they would call a traditional throw, um, you know, throwing a football, there's something called pronation, um, where, you know, basically when you, you finish and the ball leaves your fingertips, like you're snapping your thumb and you're snapping your wrist. That's kind of what allows the ball to spiral. So that's important. And that's not, not always natural to people. Um, when you see somebody throw a football and it doesn't spiral, it's usually because they're not pronating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you know, it's tough and it's tough to like even think about just allowed, especially not, you know, I'm not a coach necessarily today, Yeah. Uh, but be- between those couple ideas, that's, that's what I would think about. Um, and then I would also, t- you know, Hey, go online. I mean, there's so many amazing, there's so much amazing, uh, resource and data library online, you know, about throwing, uh, obviously on YouTube particularly. So that's what I would tell a young person. So this is the part that has me most excited, I think, because I intentionally want to bring on different people who have different backgrounds, right? Right. I happen to know a lot of coaches of various things because I am a coach of things. And I... There, there are certain perspectives that you just can't have when they're not your own. Mm. And like, right. I am never going to be a quarterback. On the other side, like, I'm never going to be a motor learning researcher, right? And it's like, mm. we need to all be able to see our different angles to kind of put these puzzles together. Yeah. And one thing I'm kind of noticing from how you talk about your background in athletics is a lot of it has to do with your your mindset and your relationships and your attitude and very little about like learning specific skills or techniques, right? Right. Like you and your brother competing at everything you could find growing up, you probably could have gone into any sport at a pretty high level. Like you probably could have taken up parkour when you were 20 and gotten pretty good at parkour. And so it's interesting then to hear you try, try to break down like, well, what are the most important things for the skill directly? And mm. one thing that I feel like maybe we should call out is throwing a variety of things in a variety of ways and like just trying, right? Like like your, your background is basically like trying really hard and then getting really good at a variety of things. Right, right. Totally. That's a great point. Throwing everything. Um, 
you know, I, again, baseball is a throwing man sport, football, quarterbacking is certainly, uh, was throwing centric, even lacrosse at some level, you know, you're throwing, uh, not so much basketball, but, you know, long story short, we were always throwing anything we could find, uh, whether that was rocks, skipping rocks or throwing tennis balls or throwing anything. So I also want to pull out the, the footwork and the rotation you brought up. So I ask about throwing. We talked about strong arms or big arms. Mm. And that's like, that's the colloquial way we talk about it, right? Like yeah. that quarterback has a big arm, right? But really what we're saying is that, that person is really good at producing a lot of force, like from the ground through their hand in some way. Right. And you're like, right. well, actually that's, that has a lot to do with things way below the arm. Right. So can you talk to me, I guess maybe to start with an example, like who's a pro quarterback who comes to mind that's like beautiful footwork that you're kind of talking about and looking for. And then maybe someone, if you don't mind, who is the opposite, <laughs> like sure. sloppy footwork. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is the guy that doesn't do it particularly well. And that's Cam Newton. Okay. And that, that's really part of the reason why probably he's not playing. He just couldn't consistently enough make throws from the pocket. And this, of course, is me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not throwing stones. And the guy was an MVP in the league. Yeah, no disrespect. Uh, right, right. Um, but I think he'd probably even tell you himself, his footwork was just nowhere near consistent enough to, uh, to play from the pocket, particularly as he wore down as an athlete. His mm -hmm. first six years in the league, he was the best athlete in the field Can anytime do he ever stepped in the field. Unbelievable. He was actually the guy um, that I watched my junior and senior year of high school. Like I watched his highlight tape, you know, probably, I don't know, man, you know, 250 times. There's a highlight <laughs> tape on, on, on Vimeo. And I swear to God, there was a highlight tape on Vimeo. It was, um, you know, the sample track was, you know, Can't Stop Me, one of the kind of Jay-Z tracks. I reached out to the producer and said, Hey, can you also make my highlight tape? So my yes. high school highlight tape is the same guy that made this amazing Cam Newton tape. So I love Cam Newton, um, whatever, but Cam Newton's a guy that mechanically, uh, was just too inconsistent, mm -hmm. um, to again, consistently make throws from the pocket. And then who's like a gold standard who comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, Brady, I figured, you know, <laughs> I figured yeah, that's where we're it's, going. It's easy, uh, but he truly is the gold standard um, of amazing footwork, um, getting really everything out of his physical body. Again, didn't have the biggest arm, certainly wasn't the fastest or the strongest guy. Um, but if you watch his mechanics, and I happen to know, uh, you know fairly instantly how much he worked on, quote unquote, his rotation, his opposite equal. I think you remember mm -hmm. that I worked with Tom House for a number of years. Uh, so Brady was um you know incessant and anal about you know his mechanics yep uh, which wasn't always the case about quarterbacks that's always a pitcher's um yeah. priorities mechanics um but now you know more than ever at least like the basic mechanics are really important to quarterbacking you know we really watch film on your delivery versus you know that wasn't a big part of playing quarterback a bunch of years ago so can we use the footwork as an example i'm curious where that kind of takes us but you don't need to teach it. Like you don't need to talk through how you would go about it. Mm. But can you describe what what you see when you watch Brady that you don't see when you watch Cam Newton? Or again, like I don't want to throw Cam Newton under the bus, but yeah, what what is Brady doing with his footwork that you know I and anyone listening can't necessarily understand? Can you take us into that? 
Yeah, a lot of it has to do with your what you would call either your you know your lead step or your front step. So Brady, as a right-handed quarterback, his lead step is his left leg. Mm-hmm. So he is you know based on the throw, but is pretty consistently taking the same step each time he throws, and it's a quick step. So if you think about a pitcher and they're striding off the mound, their stride uh, step, what they call it a stride, their step is like their body width, you know, their length. So it's like six feet long. Whereas, you know, quarterbacking is like quite the opposite. You like want to get it down really quickly so you can start the rotation versus if you're taking this really long step, you know, you, you have a tendency to drop your arm, which then, you know, makes your release even slower and slower. So Brady does an amazing job just getting his, getting his foot down quick, firing his hips and getting the ball out. Yep. Um, and generally you want to be like, stepping towards your target. Um, you don't necessarily want to be closing yourself off like, you know, right-handed quarterback in the pocket, um, throwing to the right, you know, you don't want to be stepping your right foot, like, you know, all the way, you know, you don't want to be like stepping behind yourself, but you certainly, you want to be stepping towards your target. Um, and that's how you make throws versus like a Cam Newton, he might throw an outcut to the right and he's like falling back and his left mm-hmm lay or left foot is pointing to the opposite sideline you know mm-hmm. and you just put, you're putting your body in too hard of a position to make that throw um so you know it's pretty clear the brady's of the world uh and when mahomes is like really in tune like and wants to have good footwork he obviously has great footwork or a, a herbert you know justin herbert has yeah. really good footwork like when he's in the pocket um but I think that would be the major difference. Again, Cam Newton's a glaring example, and Brady's the other glaring example. And Drew Brees, of course, would have great footwork. Um, but it's about getting that foot down really quick. So what I hear when when you're describing that, and especially when you contrast it with a baseball pitcher, is like, what are the principles of the thing as opposed to the specifics? So mm-hmm. yes, like the foot angle and the number of milliseconds and whatever might be true over and over again. But what I'm hearing is like in baseball, you don't have a a lineman coming to take your head off in football. You need to get rid of the ball really quickly. So mechanics that get the ball out faster are going to beat mechanics that don't like all of their things equal. And then something like shifting your weight, like, yeah, I, from hearing you talk, I still can't describe exactly where your weight should be at all times but it's pretty clear that if your weight is going towards where you want the ball to go, like it's going to have an impact on the ball. So if Cam Newton's falling backwards and Brady's leaning in, there's something there. But so can you kind of marry that? Like I'm going to put you on the spot a little, you mentioned you called yourself old school, which is funny to me because you're a very young person, (laughs) but I feel like the way to get at what actually works is to like, bring the schools together and see what stays true. So like, what is it about the traditional breakdown of mechanics that you're more familiar with and the stuff that people like Pat Mahomes are doing now? That's like, we see what's different, right? The lower arm angle and things like that, but what stays the same no matter what? Yep. Great question. Um, And you mentioned weight and shifting weight. That's, part of the reason you have that short stride so again contrasting it with pitchers 
pitcher has this really long stride and then they finish on one leg. You see, you know, for right. a right-handed pitcher, they land on their left leg and then you see their right leg, like almost, you know, flip over their body. Right. Um, that's, and it's funny, you know, I couldn't even tell you why. And again, I'm no, uh, I, I didn't study this enough, but that's like the last thing you want to do <laughs> playing quarterback is you want to like be a light front leg. They would call it. Uh, there were even drills, you know, when we were working with Tom house in LA, there were drills where, you're on your back leg. You got a, a light bend in your back knee. In my case, my right knee, and you're just like toe tapping your front leg, hmm. uh, almost like you know, like whatever, fire feet or whatever foot fire, uh, to train your mind that you want to be light on that leg. So it's almost eighty percent on your back leg, twenty percent on your front leg, because um, again, that helps you. You know, I think again, if I'm remembering all this correctly, and for the listeners, they're going to be like, this kid never played quarterback and he, and if he did, he definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely sucked. Watch um, the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Tape doesn't lie. Um, but again, as I'm thinking about it, if you have all your weight on your front leg, when you're going to throw, for example, it's almost impossible to like snap your hips. And again, mm -hmm. that's like the key part of the, the rotation and playing quarterback is, you know, being able to, you know, snap your hips to get the ball out. Mm -hmm. um, so if the majority of your weight is on your, you know, your backside of your body, I guess you're able to snap um, better than you would be if you're like on one leg and you're falling over. Um, so maybe that answers your question. I'm now, yeah. I'm now forget, forgetting. No, I like your question. I like the comparison. I feel like if I had known where this was going to go, I would have brought a pitcher and a quarterback together and we could mm -hmm. have talked about it. That would have been maybe next time. But yeah. another, th like how tall are you? Six four. So another thing about football that's true is you have to throw it over people's heads and arms, <laughs> right? right? Right. And in in baseball, you're throwing downhill to a pretty low target, right? right. Where like you like where where are your eyes looking when you're in the middle of a passing play? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a great question. So when you're a pitcher, you're really always looking at the target, which is the catcher's glove. Um, so that's number one. And I know this because I also pitched a little bit. Mm -hmm. But as a quarterback, your eyes, and the good ones, like their eyes are everywhere. Yeah. Like your eye, you're almost seeing, you know, two different things at once with different eyes. But um, ultimately, when you throw, your eyes are on your target too. There's sure. no sport ever where you don't want your eyes on the target of whatever you're shooting at, throwing at, you know. Sure. Uh, Again, besides some of these like no look Patrick Mahomes passes that you now start to see, which are crazy, crazy. Like Stafford has thrown some. Uh, he's had a few picked, but um, you know, that's like the the point guard, you know, uh -huh. look the other way, you know, throw it the other way. Uh, so your eyes are always change question. Your eyes are always on your target. When you're actually throwing. Yeah. yeah. Or even like more to a point, you know, throwing to a spot on the field, uh -huh. I guess, but which is still ultimately your target. Sure. Um so, yeah, uh, but you're totally right. There are different trajectories that are on your football versus just a baseball, right. you know, where it's four feet off the ground the whole time. Football is any variety of trajectories. Yeah. All right. Editor Jeremy cutting in here. At this point, I asked Mac to walk me through one of his favorite football plays from his perspective. And the level of detail was unreal. But we went down that rabbit hole pretty deep. So instead of bringing you in with us, I'm going to skip ahead a few minutes and we'll catch up on the other side. But uh, it was it was definitely my favorite play. Nice. 
So that kind of shed some light on my earlier question about like how much of the pie chart is throwing. Like, yeah. That is everything that a casual fan or like someone who watches their first football game even has yep. no idea what is happening in your mind. Right. Like it is right. so complicated. <laughs> and that right. is that what you right. were kind of saying? Like someone who doesn't have the biggest arm, that's the kind of stuff like those reads, that's what they're really mastering. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think I answered your pie chart question 20 minutes ago. You know, <laughs> uh, 50% of quarterback is leadership. Mm-hmm. Just that, you know, that's, that's the reality. You're, you're either, you probably either have it or you don't. I, I think leadership certainly can Whoa. be learned in practice. Skeptical. <laughs> Skeptical over there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Carry, so, carry on. Carry on. Well, you're, you're, you're certainly right. I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but let's just assume 50% is leadership. You know, and that's inclusive of like being a great teammate. You know, mm-hmm. I think the quarterback has to be the ultimate teammate. Uh, 25% is physical and then 25% is mental, you know, probably mm-hmm. if not more mental, Ballpark. you know, ballpark. Um, so that's the, that's the pie chart. So that, you know, again, if it, uh, and I've had a handful of conversations with, with young players over the years and, they, and dad will say, Hey Mac, what can you tell my, my young mm-hmm. guys? Like, dude, forget everything else for the moment, just be the best teammate you can be. And that's whatever that means to you, but it's, you know, being the first one in last one out, it's you know pushing the sprints the hardest. It's being in the weight room more than anybody else, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. being a leadership. Um, that's so interesting. I wish I had answered my own. I wish I had like, before we got on, tried to answer that question. I bet you good. leadership would not have been one of the first three things I said. And it makes so much sense once you describe the position and the, the role. When you, I was so lucky as a young person um, growing up around Tom Brady. When I mean around Tom Brady, I mean, you know, in New yeah. England, in Foxborough, <laughs> as, a, as a Patriots fan, uh, yeah. being able to watch him, you know, from a distance, but pretty close up, um, and certainly being around him in, in a couple different instances, but even just being around his teammates more intimately, um, everyone always says he was the best teammate they've ever had, and you know was the most hard, the hardest, and the most dedicated, you know, worker mm-hmm. on the team. You hear stories like. You know, Tom Brady knew my niece's name. You know, we had a conversation two weeks later. He falls up. Hey, how's your niece Jackie doing? You know, things like that. And you hear that as a young person, you're like, okay, gosh, you know, those are the things that I have to do. Um, so just I've always had so much respect for Tom in that way. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt when you've, you know, won a bunch of Super Bowls and that's kind of like, you know, <laughs> the expectation is that he's a great teammate, as I'm sure he always is and was. Um, but there was a reason, you know. Yeah, he didn't come in. And, with any of that right exactly uh so yeah being a great teammate is is number one so i want to connect that to my impression of you back in the day in waltham massachusetts god i was struck like this is what stands out from from my memory of our working together the way you came in to the gym the small studio you were always like incredibly ready to work and totally at ease. I don't know if you have better words for this, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to describe. But again, I'm used to coaching people who are not aspiring professional athletes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I don't say that as a knock. I think 
not being a professional athlete is a great way to go through life. But it's like, you know, I walk into a gym. Some days I'm coming from a stressful day of work. Some days I'm off work. Some days um, I was at the beach. Like I'm totally different every time. You would always come in totally focused, but not seemingly to me at least intense. Like the way you describe your competitiveness, it sounds like you would be so intense to be around, but you'd walk in and you were like the friendliest person in the room, the, the most focused again, I've said that, but like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but this like calm, but energized presence Cool. Do you know either like where that comes from or was that intentional on your part? Yeah. Um, and thanks for saying all that. It's nice to hear. I think you're, you're spot on. Intense would not be the first word I would use to describe myself. Um, and I'm not sure at any point was I super intense. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. Who knows? But yeah, I think you're exactly yeah. I, Intense was not how I was living, you know, I really ever, ever lived. Uh, I think light is probably a better way to describe it. Particularly at that point in life, in college, there weren't a whole lot of, I was lucky enough, there weren't a whole lot of things to stress about. So maybe that helped. Um, (laughs) I was super, um, super excited that, you know, we were working together and I love to work, just love to work hard and, and whether it's work hard to my own horn, but just practice, you know, and try to get a little bit better. And that's what I really thought you and I were doing, which we were, is like I was getting, you know, uh, just a little bit better and doing like something nobody else was doing. Um, I think maybe you even remember the reason I thought to work together. Not only did I just stumble across the gym walking home, but it was the type of work that I thought Brady and Alex Guerrero, who I know uh, quite well, were doing. And I said, hey, this guy is different. Um, you know, I think this is how I can go get an extra one, two, 3%. So I was just like stoked to be in there and be in the gym every time. And to your, your credit, it was your space. It was your gym and you were incredibly easy to be around, which is not always the case for a coach, particularly uh, for somebody who coaches as well as you do. Um, And, you know, fun, I think, you know, fun is always like, I'm always trying to have fun in everything in life. Um, Doing literally anything, you know, so I think that's probably why. And we, you and I just had a ton of fun together. You know, there's totally. great music. You know, you introduced me to Lumineers, who I still listen yeah. to you know, all the time. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, I think it was different. It was fun. It was challenging. Um, and I knew I was getting myself better. And that's, and that's probably why, you know, it was easy for us, you know, to get on. Nice. Yeah, I guess it's a theme kind of other than the the X's and O's. like leadership, but also relationships in general, right? Like when you were playing with your brother growing up, it wasn't, you know, it probably wasn't by design. You weren't like, we're going to both become pro athletes by playing in the (laughs) backyard, right? But it's the relationship. And then like you shouted out so many different coaches that you've worked with throughout um, your time developing as an athlete. And it's the ability to kind of connect to, to make something happen. Like I'm not going to do this by myself but I can keep looking for what will help me do this. So I think that was probably what was coolest about you and I working together is you were very candid, like night one is, Hey, 
you know, Mac, this is new to me, you know, so we're going to be doing, <laughs> so it really felt like we were doing this together, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, Hey, I'm going to give it my best effort, which was, you know, far more than ultimately we needed. It was, you know, incredible. Uh, I think that was probably fun. Like we were solving a problem together. Yeah. We were figuring it, we were figuring it out together and doing new shit. Like, you know, balancing broomsticks, you know, on our index <laughs> figure, you know, or, you know, whatever, all the, all the crazy, you know, rolling around on the ground. I mean, I, I miss, yeah. I mean, I missed that place. Um, but I think it was just, it was ton of fun. It was just a ton of fun. You know, nice. that's like the best, best word to describe it. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of my like model of, uh, how to have a satisfying session I've been working with recently. And I nice. feel like, I hadn't thought about this before the call, but I feel like you definitely embodied this balance of the three. Yep. And it's learn, perform, enjoy. Sweet. And you, I tend to think like I can do one of them at a time, right? Mm. For me, it's mm. like if yeah. I'm going to have a good session, I'm going to have one of those focuses. Like today's yeah. a learning day, or today I'm going to go all out, or today I'm just you know feeling good and, and doing right. work that feels good. I feel like you are able to strike the balance pretty consistently where you're getting a little bit better. You're also doing it at your absolute best that you can and you're having fun. Is that, does that feel true to you or am I just like placing that on you? Uh, it's, um, I, I forget uh, that that was, you know, you're the recipe for success. Um, but it, it sounds spot on to me and it sounds like how I would, um, be on an athletic field, be in the gym. I think so much of that is being quarterback or being a quarterback, I should say. Um, you have to be that guy on a team. You have to, you know, whether you're the first one there or not, you got to be the first one there. You got to bring the energy for the team and, you know, you got to be focused and humble yourself and demonstrate to your teammates that like I'm learning, you know, and working through this process, like with you guys, you know, um, so I think that's probably, yeah, in my, in my nature to do, to do that. Um, and, you know, at this point, yeah, there, there was a lot of time in life. It was like, fake it till you make it. A lot of life is like, mm -hmm. fake it till you make it. But now that feels natural where, Hey, you know, I'm walking into a room. I'm one, I'm lucky to be alive, but two, uh, love to learn and, you know, love to have fun. So, you know, it's easy. It's easy enough for me to do that. That's awesome. I think, I, I have so many negative things I could say about competitiveness, to be <laughs> honest with you. Like I think it can can do a lot of harm to relationships and to people. Mm. But something you're kind of shining light on, like again, I think most people listening probably don't identify as athletes, like capital A sure. athletes. Right. Um, sports players, let's say. Um, but the way you describe like leadership and the atmosphere that you're kind of that you loved being in. It's not just that you were trying to be the best. Like that was one side of it that you definitely mm -hmm. <laughs> it is pretty clear that you pursued that at a pretty high level. But it's also the like hard work and fun and how they go together right. and doing it with other people. Like I feel like right. my comfort zone, I love working hard and having fun and physical movement stuff, but my comfort zone is doing that on my own. Like I started right. in juggling, I got into handstands, I'm climbing on on walls by myself. Like I like to practice in kind of a solitary setting. And what I'm hearing from you is like, I don't know, mastery feels like a, an overly grand word, but like yeah. a real, real comfort and strength in getting together with other people 
working really hard while still having fun. Totally. Totally. I, uh, one of my, and I always say this with teammates, one of my favorite times or seasons throughout the handful of years in college was actually winter workouts. You know, Mm. it wasn't, wasn't the fall and playing games on Saturdays. It was the early morning grind, not only because we were in great shape, it was the 5 a.m., you know, early, early workouts, but you were doing it together. You were grinding together. Um, and you know, you were showing, showing your teammates, particularly as a leader. And it was a chance for me to like say, Hey, I'm not going to quit here. You know, you guys can jump on my back and, and I'm going to, you know, finish for us. Uh, but that was always like one of my favorite times, uh, the blood, sweat and tears of like grinding it out together. And that's what makes, I think any sports team special is the ups and the downs and doing things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but particularly in the winter workouts when it's really hard doing something really hard um it's fun that's awesome I, i'm aware of your time i want to be respectful i have <laughs> i think one more question but as i say that i'm like you like to ask follow-up questions but maybe <laughs> one more but you said like it wasn't even the games on saturday that was the only glimpse i got to see of it so like we would we would work together, but then I came and saw a game, and I was like, "This is, this is really cool. Like, there's something really cool happening here." Nice to me, that was magical, right? Like, I didn't get to see yep. your 5 a.m. workouts or any of that stuff. What was what was your mindset, or like, what what did the games actually mean to you? Let's say senior year at Bentley. Like, what's what's yeah. going through your mind during an intense game? Almost felt relieving at times. Mm. You know, we're you practice, 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 and you just, you want so hard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you want to be successful and sometimes that's overpowering and it tightens you up and you don't play as well as you could or you should. Um, but you know, it's like relieving, you know, when you, when you throw a great pass, you throw a touchdown, you're like, okay, great. But uh, even in a more overpowering emotion is like pure exhilaration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throwing a touchdown pass and in each position, has their own quote unquote touchdown pass. They have their each, they have their own thing, but throwing a touchdown pass is, is pretty amazing. Um, and it was just like the ultimate, you know, high, uh, you know, the ultimate, the, the ultimate shot of anything. Right? <laughs> yeah, the ultimate. It. it was, it was the ultimate high and it felt, especially a quarterback, especially a long touchdown pass where the throw is really hard. The route is really hard and the catch is really hard. It's like, man, me and that guy, and it wasn't just because there are 10 other guys, but like, man, we just, we just did that together. That was pretty hard. That was like, even throwing on air, throwing call it a 40 yard pass on air with no receivers is hard enough. Mm-hmm. And then when you got guys draped on the receiver, it's hard not to mention the four or five guys that protected you up front. It just, it's like this amazing gear that is perfectly, you know, come together and spun the right time. Um, Cause it doesn't, it only happens, you know, a handful of times in the game you know, out of, over the course of 50 or 60 plays. Um, so it's just amazing. You know, it's like, yes, like particularly in football where uh, for the layman listening, you rep the same plays over and over during the week. So often you may have a playbook of call it 70 plays, but you know, in that particular game, you're only going to run 15, 20, 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've run those 15, 20, 25 plays, you know, in total and aggregate a hundred times. So it's like, man, yes, we've run this play 15 times in practice. We only, you know, completed it 
five times, but in the game, we've just completed. So you're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, it's just the ultimate like sense of accomplishment, I guess is maybe a better word than relief, but mm. sense of accomplishment, exhilaration. And then I was like the crazy person often that would like just sprint down, like <laughs> would like lose, like lose like out of bodiness and just sprint down, you know? Um, so it was, yeah, it's like nothing else. And then going back to the sideline, um, you know, if there's anything that I wish I could relive was like a sideline, you know, on a Saturday after mm-hmm. a touchdown. Um, so yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a really <laughs> cool balance where you describe like, and everyone always likes to dramatize it, but like the hard work, no one sees <laughs> there's all this, like right. yeah, all the work you put in, but ultimately it's like, and all, honestly being the best also, like it's so hierarchical. Like I want to get to yeah. the top. I want to beat everyone else. But then when it comes down to it, the feeling you described is associated with like the collaboration with your teammates and you never mentioned totally. the cornerbacks you were throwing over or anything, right? right. It's just right. Right. we practiced this thing and then we did it when it mattered most to us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Particularly when you're in the zone, you know, that's mm-hmm. a point that you don't always get to hit. The, the good players hit it a whole lot more than I did, obviously, but uh, when you're in the zone and... <laughs> You know, you're, yeah, it's just, you know, when you're throwing several touchdown passes in a game, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. Um, awesome. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to, um, <laughs> we'll have to do this again when I have, now that I have more of an understanding of quarterbacking, I'm like, okay, now I could prepare a podcast. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but no, I, I really appreciate you letting me kind of pick your brain to its ends. Um, I'm sure it was just the beginning, but, um yeah it it was really fun i set it up top but it turned out to actually be really fun to get to like just sit and ask everything i'm curious about and don't understand uh so i appreciate you sharing this was awesome um so much fun podcasts are always funny you feel a little bit selfish like i didn't ask any questions about you for example (laughs) but maybe maybe we'll do this in reverse next time because i want to hear about the climbing that's something that i've been particularly interested in as of late um you know new challenges. I think, I think I texted you a bunch of weeks ago, like I slack line for the first time. Uh-huh. That was like, the, that was like one of the ultimate, really one of the ultimate, um, ex- physical experiences I have, I've had in a long, long time just cause it required so much focus, okay. but I digress. We're ending here. Um, <laughs> I can't we're it's already eight 30. Oh my gosh. Uh, this was awesome. This was so much fun.